Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children 18 plus, you are tuned into the Loan Officer Podcast with me, Dustin Nowen, and a very special guest all the way from Denver, Colorado, by way of South America. She is an Airbnb queen. She is a top producing loan officer who has only been a licensed MLO for less than three years, but last year, she increased her business 111%. She went from 13 million in 2020 to 28 million in 2021. Her name is Danielle Anderson. Danielle, thank you and welcome to the Loan Officer Podcast. Thanks, Dustin. It's great to be here. Yeah, super exciting, right? So not super exciting like how you and I get to meet in Orlando, Florida, but you and I were just hanging out in Nashville together. Yep. In fact, we were at the stage, one of my favorite bars, Wednesday night. And I don't know if you remember this or not, because it was later in the evening and you're definitely having a good time. But you said, hey, um, are you going to be in the office next week? I'm like, yeah. You're like, well, I'm going to come see you. I'm like, from Denver? And you're like, no, my uncle just passed away. <laughs> and he lives in Orlando. And I was yep. like, of course, I'd love for you to come stop by and see our office, but under one condition. We get to podcast together. And here I am. And here you are. <laughs> like, this is super exciting because our listeners crave more people like you, right? Like we just did a, an awesome top producer series and you're probably gonna be the capstone to it, right? Like we got to podcast with Molly Nadu who does over $100 million. And we got to podcast with Andy Burton who does over $100 million and Sarah Cipriano who did 180 units in like her second or third full year. And then Jesse DiGiacomo does 500 units, right? Like we got to do a lot, but I love your story because you not only increased your business 111%, you produce at a level that puts you in the top one and a half, two percent in your industry. But you didn't do it working out of a branch, did you? I did not. It was Colorado, uh, Texas, uh, New Mexico, Colombia, Mexico, Peru, Lima, Peru, and I'm forgetting one in South America. Oh, Antigua, Guatemala. Wow. And you did it through a certain program, right? Yeah, it's called Remote Year. Okay absolutely loved them. Would you recommend it? Yes. They coordinate everything. So you can just set up your office and go. So flights in between countries, done, set up a co-working space that's available 24 hours because we, we need to be on whatever hours that we need to be working. Um, and then housing and accommodations. And then you're traveling with a group of other kick butt professionals um, that are amazing at what they do in their own career. So whether it was um, uh, a marketing director for an at-home fitness company to somebody that's a life coach that helps people uh, change careers. Um, so but all this is afforded to you through this program. Everybody came in through remote year. No yep. way. So this is so cool because this industry afforded you that opportunity. It afforded you to earn a living that I would guess is probably more than what you maybe imagined when you were 18 or 21 years old. And you did so, your home is Denver, right? That's what you call home. That's where I call home, and it has to be home because the primary residence regulations for, to do an Airbnb out of Denver is that your house has to be your primary residence in order to rent it out. So okay, that's my so, launch pad. So you're already wanting to go down that Airbnb rabbit hole. Okay, hold on. I'm going to tease the audience. Okay. I'm not going to go down that rabbit hole right away because you're going to have to listen to this whole GD episode. <laughs> because what is really cool about Danielle's story is she is an Airbnb queen. And by queen, like she understands what it means to Airbnb because she Airbnbs her own property, but she is so active in that community. That's how she forged and built her relationships with the real estate community. 
is by being an Airbnb expert. So you're someone that we haven't had on this on this show before for a multitude of reasons, right? It's not often we get to talk to someone in their second full year, they close 28 million in volume. And that 28 million was like by referral only. You weren't buying leads, you weren't working in a call center. And then to think, we've never interviewed someone who did it all remote. Like, although you live in Denver, your branch is Albuquerque, New Mexico, right? That's where your branch manager is. But you weren't even in Denver most of the time, nor were you in Albuquerque a whole lot of time. You are in Texas, Central and South America for the bulk of the year. That's like outstanding. So I, I, I'm glad that you touched on it and you gave a shout out to the program because for anyone who's in Danielle's shoes where, look, not married, doesn't have kids, is a college educated professional and the mortgage industry is not your first career, right? No. Okay, you did something before the mortgage industry and I do wanna talk about that in a second. But like, it's like if Danielle can do it, so can you. And that's so much of like this podcast and we're trying to teach people everything they should have learned in high school but didn't. Let's introduce them to people like Danielle who can talk about, hey, this was my experience and this is what I was able to accomplish. If I did it, so can you. So again, a shout out to the name of the organization you did it through was called? Remote Year. Remote Year, but you didn't do a whole year. I didn't, I just did four months. You did four months and you can do as little as one month. Correct. Okay, so if you were online, you went to the Google machine, you could probably look up Remote Year and if this is something that intrigues you, Check it out. Absolutely. You would recommend it. 100%. Best Be, four months. Best four months. Um, why the mortgage industry? So you didn't start out in the mortgage industry. What did you do from college to first job after graduating? And then how did that lead to the mortgage industry for you? So I joke that I've never left the house uh, because I started with Cutco Knives in the kitchen selling uh, Cutco knives and paid my way through college selling Cutco knives and then- um, Selling Cutco knives. Yes. Like literally they the door to door, go sit down in front of the, the housewife or the homemaker and get him or her to buy 150 or $300 or $1,000 worth of knives. Yep. That was you. One, you, you felt, I wouldn't call it door to door because it was referral marketing because nobody wants to go to a cold call and knock on a door. So you would get recommendations from the previous house to then call them and say, hey, I talked to Dustin. Do you have anybody that needs to know about these knives similar to the industry that we're in now? But you were that mark that but fell yes. hook, line and sinker when you went by the student union and they had a sign, make $20 an hour. And you called like, I want to make $20 an hour. I think they called it if you wanted to sell uh, kitchen wares and sporting goods. <laughs> I was like, yeah, didn't realize it was knives. But then after I saw the presentation, I was like, I think I can do it. And I actually went home and my told my dad what I was going to do. And I spent like $200 for the sample set of knives. And um, I'm so excited after seeing the presentation. I walk into the kitchen and he's like, you're going to do what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do that. And he's like, no, you're not. And I was like, you know what, dad? I'm going to do it. And I'm going to be good at it. <laughs> Were you? I, Were you good at it? I was really good at it. Yeah. Like yep. like how good? Like, like what's the most money you made in one summer? Uh, so I made about 30000 as a junior in college wow, selling 21 year old knives. college junior one summer made 30 grand that's awesome because a lot of that speaks to you as a person were, were you an athlete growing up i was i played volleyball basketball ran track okay what what was your your track event oh i was a, a hundred hundred yard dash 100 meter 100 meter <laughs> yeah hurdles or no hurdles no hurdles okay because yeah. you're tall yep Yep. I was afraid of hurdles. Yep. You were afraid of hurdles. Okay. <laughs> but but basketball and and because I, I tend to find there's certain characteristics that that resonate with top producers. A lot of those they have some kind of competitive drive or spirit about them that tends to be above average. So I tend to find a lot of top producers have done something really competitive. 
Uh, so for you, it was track, basketball, and volleyball. Did you play outside of college? Or I mean, outside of uh, high school? No, I, I went to play basketball in college, but I didn't. It didn't work no. out? Yeah, that <laughs> happens for most, you know, really good high school athletes. Like, they get there, they got in, and then it's like, yeah, after like one season or after like this, I was like, not for me. Yep, It's I, a full-time job. And I wanted to study abroad. And you oh. couldn't study abroad and play because it was like competing season. So I went to Spain and I studied abroad in Spain my junior year. ¿Tú hablas español? Sí, yo hablo español. Mm -hmm. Okay, perfect. Eh, not good enough to do my job in Spanish. Necesito practicar. Sí. Yeah. yeah. I'd like to. That's like a two-year goal to be yeah. able to do loans in Spanish. It's, it's uh, mm. still a goal of mine to actually speak Spanish fluently. I'll probably have to do what you did with the whole like year abroad thing and do a whole year. But I need to wait. My daughter's 14, so I have at least four more years before I can sign up for that. Yep. Um, okay, well, with but, remote school now. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> like maybe she's taking school from My kids would divorce me. <laughs> Both of them, they're not leaving their friends. They're not leaving their neighborhood. They're not leaving their school. They, they're they yeah, not okay. that. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no. They're, they're not there yet in their lives. Okay, so you sold Cutco knives, and you yep. did it really well. Okay, but you didn't stay at Cutco. Like, that was just like a really cool summer gig. What was your first job out, out of college? Uh, Hormel Foods. I worked for them for about nine years, starting in um, Huntington Beach, California, and then moving my way up to Irvine, and then Houston, Texas, and had a couple different roles with them. And Mostly in sales? All in sales. All in sales. Yep. 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 What was your degree in? Uh, business in Spanish. Oh. Yeah. Okay, so you studied Espanol in college. Yep, that doesn't say and, a lot. but Okay. <laughs> Yeah, I was going to um, actually minor in Spanish. Like, true story at UCF, uh, the best professor. It's a four-credit-hour course, at least at UCF it was. And the best professor, her court classes were four days a week, right? Four-hour credit hours, mm -hmm. and they were at 8 a.m. Well, I lived a half an hour off campus with my mom and dad. I, at the time, was not a morning person. I also, at the time, wasn't an overly responsible person, meaning I like to go out and stay out late. So participation, class participation, was like a quarter percent of the grade. <laughs> So in Spanish one, although I had like a 95 on everything, I actually got a B because of my participation grade was like an F. Well, actually it was a 75 because I attended three out of four days a week. Um, and then in Spanish two, I watched my like 85 B become a C for the same exact reason Then I thought, you know what? I only needed these two classes to, to actually obtain my degree. I'm not going to minor in Spanish, but I still want to go back there and do that. That played the guitar and like become a black belt in some mixed martial art. Life goals. Life goals. Yeah. I got to check them all. But so you were at Hormel. You were selling. I'm assuming you were really good. Right? You were You were probably at the top of your game. I, I, I did. Won awards. Well. People looked up to you. Got yep. promoted. All of that stuff. And you were selling pig. I love saying that. <laughs> yeah. I was the bacon lady. You were the bacon lady. Danielle, the bacon lady. <laughs> I have one person, Betsy, who used to work at US Foods. And uh, she would call me the pork princess. <laughs> the pork. I like that. So like pork was your specialty. Yes. Do yep. you know like way more about pigs than anyone else you know? Yeah. Do you want to know about the primary and secondary lean of bacon? I've no, got I mean, you. <laughs> maybe off air. Maybe off air will slide into it. So, but like what happened? You, you reached this epiphany. You were making really good money. You were being promoted. You're working for, I mean, Hormel is a top, like Fortune 500, mm -hmm. not Fortune 100 company. Um, just didn't like it? it I think I reached a plateau. They're a promote from within company and all um, all areas led to Austin, Minnesota. And if you know anything about Austin, Minnesota, it's like this podunk town in the middle of freezing Minnesota. And I didn't see myself ending up there. So I saw myself on the sales side, but I was an account executive kind of doing the same thing that I'd been doing for nine years. And 
um, a mentor of mine, his name's Tom Day, and he worked, he was an executive at Hormel. He always said, you need to be a student of the industry. And I think I took that to heart and just was like, well, I don't like the industry oh. that I'm in. Yeah. And so then it started me, I started reading books and listening to podcasts <laughs> of like, what do I want to do? And um, I came across um, a book about mortgage lending. And I was like, I loved Cutco. I loved walking out of that house and knowing exactly how I'm, how much I made. And I loved that I was able to determine my income. Somebody wasn't telling me what I was worth. I got to tell myself what yeah, I'm worth. Exactly. And so I knew I always wanted a commission-based job because the harder I work, the more I get paid. Um, and so I just needed to find an industry. And my parents have always seen the value of real estate. And I bought my first house, I think it was 23. Um, and I rented rooms out in my home, one to Airbnb and then one to a long-term tenant. And they've always paid my mortgage. And I was like, well, I want to so, help other so you people do that. You were 23 working at Hormel and, and, and house hacking is what we call that. Yes. But you did something old school, which is, hey, long-term roommate, maybe it was your childhood best friend. You can rent a room for me for 500 bucks. But then you airbnb new school. You airbnb the other room. Exactly. And I made them share the bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> and you, you made the... The paying roommate and the Airbnb. <laughs> now, is the Airbnb like daily, weekly, monthly, it all was, of the above? It was all the time. At the time, I was in Houston because I was working okay. for Hormel in Houston. And it's interesting. Like, Houston's not a Orlando, Florida, where everybody goes and travels to. But it was like business professionals that didn't want to spend 150 bucks on a hotel room. Mm -hmm. So they would buy a shared space rental at my house. Um, and so that's kind of how I got into, like an amateur investor yeah. like real estate and was like oh i want to i really would love to be able to help people do that and then what i also knew is i loved reading books listening to podcasts personal finance like all of the above and so that's kind of what transitioned into this career change into mortgage lending of oh i can kind of like put all these pieces together of what i love to do and then make a career out of it now you chose mortgage over real estate any particular reason because I can do it from anywhere. Because you can do it from anywhere. That makes perfect sense. Did you look at becoming a realtor? Uh, for like two seconds. And okay. I was like, nights and weekends are not what I, I still work nights and weekends as a mortgage lender, but I can be on the beach doing a pre-call letter or answering the phone and locking in an interest rate. Yeah, I'm I'm a huge proponent of that. Like I tell people like, you have to make yourself available nights and weekends, but you don't have to work it. Like when you're a realtor, you have to work yeah. nights and weekends. Like that's your money making time. As a lender, it's like, no, make yourself available. Like, can you answer a text? Can you grab a quick phone call? Can you run a payment for somebody? Yes. Like, if you can do that, then yeah, you're good to go. And as you said, you can do it on the beach yep. in Peru. Yeah. Yeah. Or on the mountain snowboarding in Peru, yeah. depending on what part of Peru you're in, I guess. I kind of wish I would have uh, written down where I locked loans, like what I was doing, <laughs> just how fun it is. Like, oh, I'm in these different places doing my job. Uh, at what point when you transitioned into the, into the mortgage industry, did you realize, yeah, I made a good decision? I think it was right away. Okay. I never looked back. I was just like, I love what I do. I love the clients that I get to work with. And then I get to create my sphere of influence with like realtor partners or referral partners of people I love working with. So now I get to create. Very much the Gwen Swain model. Who, that's someone I want to have on the show. I talk about Gwen off and on, uh, but she's an amazing originator at a Boise, Idaho, who I think's only been in the business for five or six years. And I think last year she did like 90 million. Uh, but she is the one that taught me because I used to be a whore. Like literally, if you were willing to refer me alone, I'd put up with your bullshit all day long. And then it was meeting Gwen. She's like, no, you don't have to. Gwen's like, I only work with people that my husband and I would be willing to go to dinner with. Period. End of story. I'm like, damn. 
and homegirl's doing twice my best year. Like twice my best year. Obviously she has it figured out. And that's what you love about the industry mm -hmm. as well is you, you have figured that out early on that, nah, you can do this and only do it with people that you enjoy doing it with. Cause we can build our businesses together. Yeah. So it's fun that I, we talked about being business partners at this conference that we just came from. It's like, I can take my knowledge and help them become successful. And they're obviously returning the favor and leads, mm -hmm. but my whole approach to working with agents is how, what do I have that you need? And that might be an intro into a training or like for first time agents, I do a list of how to download their, um, cell phone contacts into their CRM. So our first meeting, which is always on Zoom, is just that simple task of like, hey, I know that you're a new agent. You need to get your word out. How can I help you get your, your word out? Well, you have hundreds of people in your phone. Let me teach you how to just put that into your CRM. You're assuming they have a CRM. A lot of the bigger companies yeah. do. Yeah, okay, so if you're, yeah. working, if you're working for an EXP or a, yeah. or a, a Remax or a KW, you're, yeah. you're assuming, hey, your, your company yeah. provides you. But what they mm -hmm. might not provide you is a simple tip, tip, trick or tactic on take everyone who's in your cell phone, get them into your CRM and then market to them. Yeah, it was something I had to do when I became a loan officer and I had to like Google and do all the thing. And it took me a while. And so then I put it on a training guide for myself. And then I was like, oh, well, agents would probably need this. So I love it. I, I love that because so many things that we do, if we stop and think about it, we're doing it for ourselves. How could we make this into something that, that is duplicatable uh, or multipliable that other people could benefit, right? Whether it's, hey, here's how you lock a loan. If one day I want to be a branch manager or a sales manager who also produces, I need to make manuals for me and my team, but I need to make them in a manner that I can I can share them with other people. people. Okay, yeah. I love that. I've we're gonna spend the last part of our of of our time together talking about your actual business, how you're able to do it remotely, how you lean into Airbnb, how you use Zoom. But before we do it, I have one pressing question. If I don't ask it, then it's going to consume this small brain of mine and I won't be able to do a good job of interviewing the second half of the episode. How did you learn the business? Ooh, uh, like programs, products, guidelines. How do I calculate income? How do I read a credit report? How do I, re I read a, an appraisal? Like who taught you the business? I leveraged every asset that we had, whether it was a cent, I mean, shout out to Ascent um, Mortgage Insurance Company. Okay. Oh, Ascent. Yep. Ascent. Sorry. I'm yep. Sorry. Is that your name? Okay. Ascent. Um, I listened to every single training that they had, uh, online training. So, stop for a minute. Basically, Danielle's saying your mortgage insurance companies, your MI reps are a phenomenal resource for free, good trainings. Just FYI. Just FYI. Okay. Cool. So, backing up. I started this business kind of on an island because I don't have a branch in where I where I yeah, started. You, you, I told you it's off camera. Like kudos, you started your career 1000% the opposite of what I would ever recommend or coach anybody because you're on an island. You are in your sister's house working from Durango, Colorado, right? Yes, and I will say I had one person, Crystal Dye, who's no longer with our company um, that helped along the way a little bit was she in durango with you uh she was in durango with me okay. but she was only in the business for like a year and a, she was only loan officer for like a year and a half herself okay. and wasn't a top <laughs> producer um so it was a little bit a different learning and then i went back to denver after like four months um where you worked out of your house or I, your basement where i've worked out of my house in my basement and so um my 
I loved all of our tools that we had. We have this thing called the internet that has guidelines, reading your guidelines. There um, you go. That's what I was looking for. Read your guidelines. <laughs> read your guidelines. Listening to your podcast, I feel like I've gotten so much um, knowledge just from listening to other people. And before the loan officer podcast, I listened to something called the mortgage broker. I love mortgage brokering. Yeah, but that's Canadian. It's Come Canadian, on. but. <laughs> Come on, they're Canadian. Yeah. Shout out to my friends up north. <laughs> the good old Canucks, eh? Yeah, exactly. Um, any like any sort of resource. It, again, going back to the, being the student of the industry, like I love the industry, and I'm like, how can I get better? What can yeah. I do? Um, practicing on old files that somebody else had to do, I would go back and be like, all right, I didn't, I didn't understand how to calculate this income, um, and I'm still not great at that, and still con constantly learning. But yeah, so um, you're resourceful, AF. Yeah. Yep. Always and forever. That's by the way, AF <laughs> is always and forever. I don't know where your minds went. But you are. You are a very resourceful person. You could have taken Xenix. You probably didn't I know. I did. Oh, no, you did I Xenix. took Xenix before I even quit Hormel. Before I even got hired by oh, Waterstone. How cool. I got my license and went through Xenix. Because, how did you hear about Xenix? Um, I had interviewed another company. Okay. And she had mentioned it. Okay. So Xenix at least helped you with LTV, DTI, oh, mortgage map. You should not be a loan officer if you've not taken Xenix. And I'm not getting paid by Xenix, but they don't teach you any of that. Neither am I, but I should. <laughs> Honestly, look, Casey, if you're listening, Rob, if you're listening, Sunshine, if you're listening, <laughs> like Jeanette, if you're listening, daddy wants to get paid. Like plain and simple. Um, I can get paid in $1 Florida lottery scratch off tickets. I don't care. Sometimes it's just the thought that counts. Right, because yeah, we don't get paid, but they do put out a phenomenal product. Yeah. I don't um, know how much it is, but it's like, it's like one $1, loan. Sixteen hundred dollars. Yeah, one loan. Yes, one loan covers the cost of it. Yeah, but it, it is. You shouldn't rely on your manager to teach you LTV, DTI, mortgage math, yeah. etc. And I promise you this: your twenty-hour safe exam, all that teaches you is how not to get locked up. <laughs> like that's what they teach you: how not to go to jail. It doesn't teach you crap about the mortgage industry, how to be a really good loan originator, mm -hmm. let alone the sales and the scripting aspect, which luckily for you, you learned sales in Cutco. Yes. Like that, that look, I, I've been there. I know what that's like. And then you got to hone professional selling through Hormel. Mm -hmm. So you at least had that skill set that was transferable, but you did have to become a great technician. You utilized your MI companies. You utilized your company because your company has a great intranet that mm -hmm. has a whole guideline of programs, products, and guidelines. You read them. Mm -hmm. But previous to that, you also found a formal training such as Xenix. Mm -hmm. I did not know that about you, but I like to learn about anyone who is, look, you're the future of the mortgage business, right? You have 20 plus more years in this industry. If everything goes my way, I have seven, right? If they don't go my way, I have 12. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like that's kind of what I'm looking at. Like, hey, seven to 12 years. And there's many people who are in the industry. I'm like, why? Like, go away. Why are you here? <laughs> right? But people like you are the future. So if we want to create more Danielle's, let's figure out what she did. Let's teach it to others so they can follow in your footsteps and you can kind of be a, a, a trailblazer. You cool with that? 100%. Okay. There you go. The future. <laughs> the future. No pressure. <laughs> El Futoro. El Futoro. No pressure at all. All right. So now let's get into this. You did the Xenix. You onboarded, whether you're in Durango working out of your sister's house, back in Denver working out of your basement. Um, you're a solopreneur. You don't have a branch manager that's just right next to you. You got to pick up the phone to, to call them. Um, you're learning the business, but you don't have a network. You don't have any referral sources. What do you do to get out there and promote your brand? And how do you bring value to your agents? And by the way, this is what I want you to talk about Airbnb. <laughs> 
perfect. Okay. Uh, so I, I became a mortgage lender because I saw the value in real estate. And I wouldn't have been able to quit my job if it wasn't for Airbnb. Airbnb gave me like that safety net of running out my house. And so I love the ability to be able to do that. And I'm also passionate that people should be able to do what they want with their home. So I uh, started getting on boards um, of Mile High Hosts for Community Advocacy, which helps create fair regulations in the city of Denver. Um, and then I bought a second house in Frisco, Colorado, and got on the board of Save VRM, which is a similar organization in Summit County, like Breckenridge, Colorado, Ski Resorts, um, Frisco. Frisco, Colorado has the best tubing. Yes. If you ever want to go to a badass tubing place on a winter vacation, Frisco, Colorado, which is probably only, what, 15, 20 minutes outside of Breck. Right. That's right. kind of that's yep. kind of where, where, where Fresco yep. is. Yep. And I don't think people caught this, um, but I caught it. So I want to circle back to it. When you left Hormel and you became a mortgage loan originator, you Airbnb your entire house My and moved in with your sister. Yeah, because I was scared I wasn't going to make money. <laughs> yeah, you were a resourceful, responsible adult. You're like, hey, I have to lower my household expenses because I may starve, which, by the way, you will. Rookie LOs, you'll star for your first three, five, maybe even seven months, and your income is going to be less consistent. So Danielle's like, that's cool. I'm still willing to bet on myself. I'm going to Airbnb my house in Denver. I'm going to move to Durango, which how far is that? Like seven hours. Oh. It's like up and over the mountain. Okay. Yeah. So like far. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so I'm going to move seven hours away, but this is where I'm going to launch my career. Yep. Now, but were you calling on realtors in Durango or were you calling on realtors in Denver? <laughs> So when I first started, I was calling everybody I knew. Ooh. Not, so I would say. That's the whole cell phone thing, CRM thing. Yeah. Okay. And it wasn't like, hey, I'm. what's your rate? What's your mortgage? It was, hey, how are you? I haven't talked to you in a while. Let them talk. And then they always ask you, oh, what are you doing? And that was where I would go into, oh, I just got this awesome new job. I'm a mortgage lender now. And then they knew what I did. So I would say 30% of my business is sphere of influence. Wow. Even still. Even still. Yep. Okay, uh, all throughout the country or mostly in Colorado? Um, 80% of my business is Colorado, but my sphere is everywhere. So I did a couple refinances in Minnesota, new home purchase. I'm working on a couple of new home purchases in Minnesota. Is um, that for your Hormel family? Yep. Yeah, mm -hmm. that's so yep. cool. Yep. My Hormel family. Mm -hmm. Yeah, leaning into what you have, yeah, which we, we all have to do. We have to lean into whatever strength that we're coming from. Um, so Hormel was a good source. Yep. I think you told me the first loan he ever did was for the guy that the took relocate. your job. Exactly. He yep. took your job and then you did the loan for him because he's relocating in to take your job. Um, okay, so you started and I by- I beat him from the guy I did my loan with, with Hormel. It was the relocation person. Oh, no way. Which was just yeah. kind of a, knowing the needs of somebody. I knew the needs of a Hormel person. They didn't need a 30-year fixed mortgage because they move every three to five years. So why would- if we're price matching on a 30 year fix, like that doesn't make any sense. Yeah, you're sense. Like, like, let me show you a 10 year arm. You'll be good to go with this. Yeah, because I knew what he was looking for. Yeah. Good for you. So you started with first your entire Rolodex of, of contacts in your iPhone. Yeah, and I did still, so I had one realtor partner that actually got me into the business. She was my realtor that sold houses and we became friends. Okay. And she was Denver. Okay. And from her is probably 80% of the agents that I work with, not directly from her, but from her, me calling on listing agents, asked her, we did a deal together. Okay, cross-sign the listing yep. agent. She bought a house in Summit County, which then entered me into the Summit County. That agent actually- Summit County, is that uh, Beaver Creek, Vail? Beaver, well, that's uh, not Summit County. Okay. Uh, that's Eagle County, but yes, that's yeah. close. Um, okay. Breckenridge. Okay, uh, yep, Frisco, Frisco, all that, yep. yep. And then that agent actually called me to be 
to do her business and introduce her to the team. And at the time I said no, because I was so busy. I was like, I don't want to do it. They do 250 million or something a year. And I was like, I don't want to do a disservice to you. I'm not ready yet to no take way. on all this new business. Was she appreciative of that by any chance? I'm still doing business with her today. So I think so. Yes. And then at, when I was ready, I reached out to her and I was like, I'm ready to be, I don't know if I would suggest that to anybody listening, but it did work for me because I didn't want to take on business and then do a poor job mm-hmm. of taking on the business. So I wanted to make sure that I was at a place that I could give them the same service that I had given her as when my agent bought the house. No, that makes sense. You know what I love about your story is it's, it's so similar to so many other top producers. Like I have one person, one person that I can tell you, his name is Yen Yao. Mm-hmm. That guy was the catalyst because Yen introduced me to Susan. And by the way, what's great about Yen is, is he was a tag along to a lunch appointment that I was having with his friend and his office mate who she's like, yeah, I'm gonna bring my friend Yen along. I'm like, yeah, okay, whatever. Like, I can't afford your lunch. Now I gotta pay for yours and his. I was a young, broke as a joke, loan originator. But what, what ended up happening was the the contact that I had who agreed to meet with me really was like a part-time realtor and only lasted like 18 months in the industry. Yen ended up being like this uber professional, super like he's the realtor anyone would wanna be. And I impressed him. He introduced me to Susan. Susan just joined Jenny's team. Jenny's team was growing like crazy. Jenny said, hey, do you know George? I'm like, I've been trying to get in front of George for two years. She's like, I'm friends with George. I'll put you in contact with George. And then all of a sudden, one guy, yep. one one lunch. But now granted, I had to do a good job. And then when I had a transaction, I had to wow the listing agent. Yep. And then the listing agent ended up becoming a referral partner as well. But it's just, you know, it's it's so cool to hear. It only takes one. And you have to ask for it. I think you that's, will, yes. So with Joel, her name's Jolene Crownover, and she's a kick butt realtor in Denver. Um, she she's doing great. She has a whole team of like 50 agents. I have an idea of what the heck is going on with short-term rentals. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, create that Zoom meeting. It's like middle 2020. Um, she invites all of her agents. I get agent partners that also have Airbnbs to be on my panel. Then we do this event together. Um, then I am introduced to her, you know, different agents. So really even today, I'd say I work with two teams of people that just are high level producers, but they all came from my number one supporter. Yeah. And, 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 asking. and, and asking, but then you leaned into this. We're finally going to end on oh, this. Yeah. Sorry. You leaned into your experiences as a Airbnb host, both in Houston and then in Denver. Yep. Right. Mm-hmm. And then you realized, wait a minute, especially in a market like Colorado, right? Especially in the Denver or the two hours away ski resort area, you, yes, you're a lender. And yes, you were a badass salesperson for Cutco and you're an amazing performer for, for Hormel, but you're a subject matter expert when it comes to all things Airbnb in your market. And I would guess most people aren't, but Airbnb is a hot topic. It's sexy. It sells and it sizzles. So you were able to use your experiences. You created a course, a class, a lunch and learn, and then you started promoting that lunch and learn to the local real estate community in the greater Denver area. Is that? Yeah, uh, kind of accurate. Like I do cut yeah. some um, some of these lunch and learns, but a lot of it is just, I leverage meeting with real estate teams and saying, hey, how can I train you on? So regulation in short-term rentals is constantly changing in every single municipality right now. Okay. 
And so that's what I've leaned into is like, I want to know what these regulations are so that I can help my team of agents know what they are. So if we're talking about, so a lot of my businesses, uh, Breckenridge, Colorado, Unincorporated, Summit County, uh, Frisco, Dillon, um, and all of these places are short-term rentals and 65% of homes purchased there are second homes and people want to rent them out. Similar to, I'm sure, Orlando. Yes. Um, and so by knowing when you can and can't rent a, a certain area, my agents are coming to me. I'm like, okay, here's the address. You know, is this in oh, unincorporated Summit awesome. County or is this in- uh, You want to talk about bringing value. It's not just, hey, I have a buyer who needs to get pre-approved. It's, hey, I have a buyer. What area should I even show them? And then, oh, by the way, can you pre-approve them? For their $900,000 purchase that they're probably going to put four hundred grand down on and do a $500,000 30-year fixed conventional loan with you. Yes. Wow. Yeah. So knowing where those are and what um, what the regulations are in each place. And then the other tool that I've leaned into is something called AirDNA, and it aggregates Airbnb and VRBO okay. data. AirDNA. AirDNA. So I can have access to AirDNA to maybe cost me some money. but It's like $250 a month or something. Okay. So it's not cheap, but it's yeah. not it's worth it. But what does AirDNA do? So it, it, it pulls in VRBO and Airbnb listings, which are the two major listing platforms. Mm -hmm. And it just gives you a projection. So similar to a agent going out and doing comparables when they're going to sell the house, it's comparables on rental income. So it'll tell them, oh, uh, approximately 50% occupancy for this year based on your location, $250 nightly rent. So then it helps their clients make a decision on that home. Wow. And then it also, like I've leveraged it. So when I met with, they're called the Smiths team and, and they're awesome in, um, in uh, Frisco, when I met with them um, over a meeting, I offered it as a free service. Like, hey, if you have a listing, it's really hard to get that information from the HOA companies and everybody's asking for rental projections. Just shoot me an email. I'm happy to uh, pull that together and send it over to you. So then I'm offering service of value for them on their listings as well, even though I might genius. not be there. This is, this is one commission check, by the way, for you, right? $3,000 is one commission check for you. So you invest one commission check, right? You closed 64 transactions last year or something, right? So, so one commission check is like, I don't even know, like 1.62% of your, of your, of your income for a service that not just will your buyer candidates or your borrower leads benefit from, but those that are out there listing the homes for sale, you're making yourself, no, just call me. Don't worry about bothering the HOA. Don't worry about, you know, just give me a buzz. Give me the address. I'll run it really quick for you, which now you have a reason to talk to a realtor. You're bringing value to them, not just with your handout saying, hey, can I have a lead? I love that. But what I do love more, you were willing to invest in yourself. You understood investing in your business. Like so few loan officers will pay for coaching. So few will pay to go to that conference or they'll pay for that particular service. Or if they do pay for it, they don't use it. And you're like, nah, I pay for it. I use it. And now I'm leveraging it to be the Airbnb queen of my market because I can bring value to my realtors. What are some tips and uh, this is more for the consumer now. What are some tips and pointers for anyone who's looking to Airbnb a property? Like what, what are your go-tos, your biggest do's and don'ts? I would say what kind of clients do you want to attract? Not the creepy ones. <laughs> Not the creepy ones. So I always have an interior designer. Okay. Invest, like just saying invest in your property yep. to attract the right clients. So if they're looking on Airbnb, the first thing that they're doing is that they're looking at the photo. Mm -hmm. So your photo should have professional photography and it should be very well designed. Okay. Um, and then 
don't use um, Airbnb has a uh, what's it called like they price it for you. Mm-hmm. They say what your pricing should be. Never use that. Always use a um, pricing algorithm like dynamic pricing is a shout out to them. Um, I use a management company now, so I don't personally manage my Airbnb okay. anymore. Um, Would you recommend that? Using a, a like w- going back to when you first started Airbnb, you self managed, but yeah, is it worth the money? So, <coughs> I I'm commission based. Yes. <laughs> so time is money. Um, I'm not a great manager. I, I mean, I'm like okay manager, but I would rather do what I'm good at and yeah. let somebody else do what they're Love good it. at. And okay. so I say it's totally worth it. And if you don't haven't invested in those tools, I got more money by having somebody else do it because they're pricing my property right versus me underpricing and leaving money on the table. So you would say a common mistake anyone makes when they're first getting started with Airbnb is they let they let Airbnb give the suggested rent. Yeah. You would say either hire a property management company who knows what they're doing and, and pay them their fee mm-hmm. and they'll more than likely get you more. Mm-hmm. Or if I wanted to, there is a third party service where I can use an algorithm and, and give me that name again. Uh, Dynamic, or sorry, oh gosh. I'll put you on beyond the- pricing. Beyond, beyond pricing. pricing. Okay. Yep. And I think AirDNA actually has a pricing dynamic as well. Yeah, but AirD AirDNA is going to cost me 250 bucks a month to have access to it. And if yeah. I'm just a single person who has my home that I want to Airbnb, then maybe I'm not going to drop the money on on AirDNA. More than likely. But I should drop some money on an interior designer, professional photos, having my listing done yep. appropriately. And I think the other advice is if you don't, list it anyway. Yeah, well. <laughs> and just do it. I feel like there's a lot of value in just like putting it up there and seeing what it's worth and then tweak it. Like I don't think I had an interior designer when I first started listing my place. It was just I took iPhone photos, did it. It was like, oh, cool, I'm making money. And then you set that aside and then you invest more into your property over well, time. Well, I'm, so. I'm a huge fan of the best time and the best way to start is just to do it. Yeah, like today's it. the best day and then just do it. Yeah, Even 100%. If, if, I mean, go back. Maybe don't go back. Maybe you do. Go back and listen to the first 40 episodes that John and I did. I go back and I cringe. Like everything from the lighting to the color of the tablecloth to the the mics we were using to the the audio quality that we were putting out to our intro and our and our exit weren't even close to where they are today. Nor do we even have a thought of a website. Like now we have tloponline.com. Like it's out there. But we would have never made it if we didn't just decide, hey, we're going to do two episodes a week, every single week, starting this month. And we're not going to stop until we've been at it for two years. And our two-year mark is coming up next month. Like, I think we're going to hit episode 100 real soon. You might be it. I don't even know. Our episode 200 um, should, should be coming up, right? Like, we weren't on LinkedIn. We weren't on Instagram. But we just started. Now, of course, I could go back and do this much quicker and much better. So I love that advice, right? Look, if you're interested in, in getting into Airbnb, you know, like, whether it's a property you already own or a property that you're going to buy, there, before you buy it, you should check with your local municipality. One, I would say that's hands down that's, the first advice because okay. some people don't even know what the rules and the regulations are. And they're like, oh yeah, we're gonna run it. And it's like, oh, yeah. you can't, or the HOA doesn't allow it. Yes, or, thank you for saying that yeah. because I'm not an expert in Airbnb, but I have been financing homes here in Central Florida for about 18 years, so I know a little bit. Yep. And I'm like, guys and girls, like, I don't know if the neighborhood, have you read your HOA docs? Have you actually looked into this? And like, oh, it's it's fine. I'm like, have you read it? Oh, it's fine. I go, yeah, it's fine until it's not. It's fine until that new HOA management company comes in or that new HOA president comes in and says, by the way, page seven, section D, it says right in here that you can only rent 12 months out of the year to one person. Mm-hmm. 
And all of a sudden you bought this home in this beautiful community that you really can't afford because you're planning on Airbnb in it. And now you're being told that, no, you can only have long-term rentals. Mm -hmm. So thank you for saying that. Cause I think that's, that's sage advice. You need to check with your local municipality, check with the HOA and make sure it's going to be okay. Um, because if it's not, it may not be the right home for you to buy. If you already own the home, then, Hey, look, spend a little money on professional photos. Um, spend a little money or time at least mm -hmm. making sure you're decorated appropriately so you can attract the right type of clientele. Um, and then just do it, mm -hmm. just do it. But if you want to know how much to, to, to price it for, there are algorithms and there are websites that do that specialize that, in that, 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 that know that, that, that there's the Orlando jazz. Who's the or Orlando Denver Magic? Orlando Magic? Magic? <laughs> yes, the, it's, it, the Denver Broncos are going to yes. be playing in town this week. Like mm. maybe you need to price it higher than a normal week. So okay. those types of things take in hotel occupancy uh, rates and let like kind of oh that's so cool finagle like, like, all of those special events into the so pricing like, mix. Yeah, so Chris yeah. Stapleton's playing Thursday night. Then then, then my they house know. is two blocks away. Like maybe I need to raise the rates. Okay, yeah. um, are there any areas when it comes to Airbnb that like are like hey just don't do it. I'm sure there are. Okay. I don't know off the. I'll have your yeah. like, like, like you know. I mean, your my parents really have an well. Airbnb in the middle of Podunk, Colorado, in Del Norte, Colorado. It's like a small dot in the map, and they kill it. Do they really? Yeah. Wow, like like fifty percent occupancy, twenty five percent, like like how? I would say more than fifty. Um, it's on Highway One Sixty, like just just people passing. Yeah, through. it's a They're farm. Like... It's like teeny tiny little cabin that's an ADU off their house. Yeah. No way. Uh huh. Okay, I like that. So, so the, the ADU stands for? Accessory Dwelling Unit. Accessory yeah. Dwelling Unit. That's going to be a hot thing going forward. Oh, one. A hot mm -hmm. thing, especially as more municipalities who currently don't allow it will allow mm -hmm. it. And then all of a sudden, now we can start creating some affordable housing. Mm -hmm. Right? We can, because, I mean, even when you're in town, like when you're not doing your study abroad, work abroad <laughs> program, like you still Airbnb your basement. I do. Yeah. Totally I furnished basement and you just Airbnb it? Yep. Are you ever worried about creepers? Uh, I've had a couple experiences that aren't really creepy, but just like interesting. Like I came home and they were, uh, so I did a shared space rental when I was like 25, yeah. 26 in Houston. And um, all the cabinets were open and I feel like they had used every single pot of mine. And I walk in and it's like, I feel they like I guessed. They smoked all your pot? No, no. They smoked all your pot? Oh. No, they were using like my kitchen. Oh, my kitchen okay. Pots. Okay. Gotcha. They were like making this like gourmet meal. And I'm like, I feel like a guest in my own home. Like most of the time they just would go to their room and. Do they eat your food ever? Like, do you have to lock up your pantry? And uh, lock somebody up your did liquor? get high in Colorado and I there was like a spoonful of uh, peanut butter missing at one <laughs> point. I was like, okay. So, this. so you have to be a little bit less uptight if you're going to do shared space, especially. Yeah, like if, you're if you're doing do... shared space, it's a little bit different. Yeah, yeah. But like, even if they're going to rent out my house, like I'm worried they're going to go through my underwear drawer. Like, do I lock that up? Like, like, like. Oh, my house is like a hotel though. Like, I, okay. I in the for the last like 18 months, I've literally lived out of a suitcase. Like, I rent my clothes on Rent the Runway or Lato and don't even have like a full closet. You rent your clothes? Yeah. So this is. Uh, like like a, you rent them. I rent them, you so I don't have a closet. You don't go to like Neiman Marcus and buy a bunch of clothes and then you rent them out to strangers. <laughs> no. You rent strangers' I clothes. Rent stranger, or, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> guess. That is so cool. Like that's yeah. such a millennial so thing to do. So I'm very minimalist. Like, don't, that is such a millennial yeah. thing to do. That is so awesome. If you walked into my house, you wouldn't really know that I lived there except for there's okay. uh, um, like a picture of you and your parents no not even high school graduation. I, I have like clothes under the bed in one of those pull out plastic that's containers. it man. yeah okay. other than that it's really like 
I mean, if I'm living there full time, but I haven't been for the last 18 months. So yeah. now I'm just like transient and like, where next? What do well, I say? So what's next for Danielle Anderson? Ooh. What, what does 2022 look like business wise, personal wise? Yeah, 2022 business wise, I'm going to hit Platinum President's Club at 30 million at least next year. Okay. So, that, that should be doable. I mean, that's going to be your third full year. Yep. You're, you're coming off of doing 28 million. So it's not that big of an increase in terms of, of volume. Now, you know, last year was a good refi year and you admitted you did yeah. like 40% refi. Yeah. So you're going to, which is a great way to learn for the newbie. Oh, like, look, business is business and they pay the bills. Yeah. And the fact that you were 40% refi, like dude, the market was like 80% refi. So you still were outperforming the market, but you have to understand that your 40% refi is going to be closer. Like you'll lose half of that easily. Yep. So of your, of your 28 million, if roughly uh, 11 million was refi, that's going to drop down to 5 million pretty, pretty easily for you. Yep. So you have to grow by basically 8 million. You need to pick up the 2 million to get you to 30 plus the, the, whatever six you're going to lose from, from the refi market going yep. away. Okay. Yep. So 30 million production, 30 million production. Okay. I'm going to do another four months with remote year. Um, probably Europe. Where are you going to go? This, Europe? Yeah. Okay. Do like a Croatia, South Africa. Yeah. Stay away Europe from button. Russia and Ukraine. I heard shit's not yeah. good over there right so now. We'll see with COVID. I feel like that all kind of, that's why I only did a four month trip versus yeah. a year long. Cause our world is a little crazy still. That's all right. I've been living with COVID for the past month. <laughs> yeah. Just don't mind my little turn to the side. <laughs> so, I swear COVID turned me into like this, uh, 50 year old menopausal woman. It's, the craziest thing. I mean, I guess I'm 43, so I could be, you know, uh, early menopause. I'm just the wrong sex for it. But yeah, I get hot flashes and night sweats and a cough that won't go away. But I promise you I'm safe. I'm good. <laughs> I, yeah. I, I've been good for a while now. Like, here we are, end of January. I got this thing, like, around New Year's, New Year's Day. Day. Should be good. Yeah. yeah. I think you're good. Just yeah. still stuck in my throat. <laughs> no, okay. So so $30 million and, and you're going to go do another four months. Yeah. And I'm perfecting being a technician and in perfecting systems. That's my 2022 yeah. goal. Um, awesome. What advice do you have for you three years ago as it pertains to a mortgage loan originator and then for you 10 years ago as it pertains to being a recent college graduate? What, what, what's something you wish was taught to you earlier on or that you figured out earlier on in life? That's question one. Mm -hmm. Question two is what advice do you have for any young new loan originator who's trying to make their mark in this industry. Okay. Advice for a young new loan originator is see what you can bring in value and lead with that. So whether whatever niche you have or whatever expertise you might have, like you might be an awesome Instagram content yep. producer. Well, I suck at that. I would love some, like if I was a new realtor, realtor yeah. I would love somebody to be like, Hey, I can help you put your content up, send me your closings or whatever type of thing. I'll make it nice and put it on under your Instagram page. Perfect. Partner with that way, whatever it might be. Um, and then what do I wish I would have known? I wish I would have known. So nine years I worked for Hormel, great company. Recommend them if that's life that you want. Mm -hmm. I wish that I would have known that there's more to life, that it's okay. I felt so scared to jump out of comfortable. I wish that I would have taken a chance to jump out of what's comfortable earlier on. That makes perfect sense. That's great advice. Yeah. Like, yeah. Just do it. <laughs> Get comfortable with being uncomfortable, mm -hmm. especially if what you're doing isn't what you want to be doing long term. Yes. If you don't see a future in it, then stop doing it. Mm -hmm. Right? Mm -hmm. That is awesome. Danielle Anderson, thank you so much 
like literally, I want to do this this episode probably when you and I first started really connecting with six or nine months ago. Like it's crazy. We worked for the same mortgage company, right? But we hadn't met and got a chance to hang out together until really this last week when we were in Nashville. But through the podcast, we connected, right? And then I noticed, well, wait a minute, there's, here's a podcast listener who works for my same company, but she's out in Colorado. So we started following each other on social and then, you know, started reaching out and just kind of connecting. But when I started learning your story and I started looking at your production, I'm like, oh my God, this is pretty badass. We need to have someone like her on the show. I'm, I'm, it's unfortunate it happened because of your uncle's death, but I'm so happy that it, that we were able to, to, to make something good of it by sitting down together. I hope our audience appreciates your time with, with us here on the show as much as I appreciated it. So thank you and thank you for making the time. If people wanted to get a hold of you or follow you, what's the best way to follow you or get a hold of you? Uh, my website's DanielleAndersonLuns.com. And uh, your mom told you you were going to speak too fast. So can, okay. you say that <laughs> can you say that again for us? Uh, DanielleAndersonLuns.com. Perfect. And my Instagram is RemoteYearHost. RemoteYearHost yep. on IG. That's yep. awesome. She's Danielle Anderson. I'm Dustin Owen. You have tuned in to the Loan Officer Podcast. You can check us out every day at tloponline.com. Unfortunately, that's all the time that Danielle and I have for you today, but I will catch you on the next episode. Peace.